This episode of GT the Podcast is supported by Alcon. At Santin, preserving eyesight while enhancing the patient experience is our singular focus. We are dedicated to finding innovative solutions in glaucoma, retinal diseases, dry eye, and corneal disorders so ophthalmologists can help their patients enjoy eyesight for longer. Learn more at SantinUSA.com. This is Ike Ahmed. And I'm Arsham Shabani. And we want to welcome you to GT the Podcast. We're bringing this to you together with BMC and Glaucoma Today. To offer audible insights into current topics in glaucoma care. Presented by the authors of our latest, most read GT articles. Check it out. Welcome to GT the Podcast. In this episode, Dr. Daniel LaRoche reads his article, Reducing Pigment Particles in the Anterior Chamber, written with Jose Sinan from the September-October issue of Glaucoma Today. This article discusses interventions that can be used to reduce the number of pigment particles in adult patients with pigment dispersion syndromes. More on this from Dr. LaRoche. The release of pigment into the anterior chamber is a major contributor to adult glaucoma. This phenomenon is evident in pigmentary glaucoma and exfoliation glaucoma and is typical of primary open glaucoma and angle closure glaucoma. The deposition of pigment in the trabecular meshwork is often an underlying cause of elevated intraocular pressure, ocular hypertension, and glaucoma. This article describes the mechanisms that cause a release of pigment and review solutions for reducing the number of pigment particles in the anterior chamber. Enlargement of the lens is one of the most identifiable worldwide causes of pigment liberation and angle closure that contributes to glaucoma. In this age-related disorder, the lens enlarges, leading to increased iridolenticular and iridozonular contact. This is exacerbated by posterior boring of the iris during accommodation. Contact between the anterior lens capsules, the zonules, and the iris disrupts iris pigment epithelium, distributing pigment throughout the anterior chamber. Pigmentation of the trabecular meshwork increases as a result more inferiorly than superiorly. Intraocular pressures of 18 mm or higher in eyes with normal corneal thickness, gonioscopy should be performed to look for a greater amount of pigment in the inferior versus superior angle and for narrowing of the angle. Increased pigment in the trabecular meshwork of patients with glaucoma has also been confirmed by light microscopy. Pigment dispersion syndrome is an autosomal dominant disorder that typically occurs when patients are in their early 20s. The condition may regress as patients age. Among individuals with this syndrome, the iris insertion is more posterior and the peripheral iris configuration tends to be concave. Iridozonular contact during accommodation and during normal pupillary constriction and dilation, disrupts the iris pigment epithelium and results in the deposition of pigmentary granules throughout the anterior segment. The classic diagnostic triad consists of corneal pigmentation, slit-like radial mid-peripheral iris transillumination defects, and dense trabecular pigmentation. Subsequent increases in intraocular pressure can be as high as 30 millimeters of mercury above baseline and may peak 
as high as two to three hours after pupillary dilation. Another entity of pigment dispersion syndrome is distinct from the classic type and presents atypically. This atypical pigment dispersion syndrome is the most common cause of glaucoma that I have seen in my practice. Structurally, the peripheral concave bowing of the iris that is typical of the classic type of pigment dispersion syndrome is not observed in patients with atypical presentation. Instead, the iris inserts below the scleral spur and is flat or slightly convex. Although the angle remains open, the atypical presentation is also associated with a lack of iris transillumination defects. In atypical pigment dispersion syndrome, pigment dispersion is caused by the mechanical rubbing of the enlarged lens against the flat posterior surface of the iris. This mechanism could explain why transillumination defects are not common. The damage inflicted by the lens iris contact may not be significant enough to cause complete pigment epithelial defects. Fewer transillumination defects are also seen in black and brown patients. In a series by Sample and Ball, the age of affected patients range from 57 to 80 years of age with a mean of 73 years of age. Exfoliation syndrome is an age-related disorder in which fibrillar extracellular materials are produced by accumulation of various ocular tissues. Friction between the anterior capsule of the enlarged lens and the iris disrupts the iris pigment epithelium, dispersing pigment throughout the anterior chamber. Pigment deposition in the cornea and trabecular meshwork increases and iris sphincter transillumination defects develop. Pigment dispersion may occur before the physician even detects exfoliation syndrome with a slit lamp examination. Patients with elevated intraocular pressure of 18 or higher and evidence of pigment liberation should be monitored carefully for glaucoma. They should also be advised that undergoing early cataract surgery or lens extraction could help stop pigment liberation. Removal of the enlarged lens can halt irreligenticular and irreligenticular contact and consequently pigment liberation. During a surgery, a trabecular bypass stent should be implanted to restore normal aqueous outflow via Schlem's canal to the aqueous veins. This procedure can reduce the patient's need for medications to lower intraocular pressure and preserve the outflow via the trabecular meshwork to the aqueous veins. Lens extraction also expands Schlem's canal, which can reduce intraocular pressure further. Laser peripheral iridotomy can eliminate reverse pupillary block, flatten the iris contour in eyes with traditional pigmentary glaucoma, and reduce the extent of irrelenticular contact. LPI may also prevent the deepening of iris concavity upon accommodation. Although LPI decreases the number of melanin granules present in the anterior chamber, it does not completely stop the pigment liberation due to persistent rubbing of the iris against the lens and zonules. Although LPI may relieve IOP spikes, it does not lower baseline IOP because of the persistent pigment liberation and obstruction. Patients who refuse initial surgery can begin medical therapy in addition to administration of agents currently used to lower intraocular pressure such as prostaglandin analogs, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors, alpha agonists, and rokinase inhibitors. The nighttime administration of pilocarpine 2% may be considered to reduce pupillary movement and pigment liberation. Because myotics both constrict the pupil and increase aqueous outflow, they should in principle be first-line therapy. In practice, polycarpine can reduce exercise and induce pigmentary release of intraocular pressure elevation. Myotics can convert the iris configuration from concave to convex and eliminate iridozonular friction. However, 
Younger patients may tolerate polycarpine drops poorly because of accommodative spasm and induced myopia. In summary, the release of pigment into the anterior chamber and subsequent deposition on the trabecular meshwork are major contributors to IOP elevation and glaucoma in patients older than 50 years of age, as well as among individuals with foliation syndrome and pigment dispersion syndrome. A reduction in the amount of pigment release can be achieved with early uncomplicated cataract surgery or refractive lensectomy, and with microinvasive Schlem's canal surgery that restores aqueous outflow via the obstructed trabecular meshwork. Thank you for tuning into this episode of GT the Podcast. If you have any feedback or topic suggestions, find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And stay tuned for more hot topics in glaucoma care on GT the Podcast. Thank you.